we don't know why Thomas wasn't there with the other disciples on the evening of Easter Day. Maybe he had just gone down the street for a loaf of bread. Maybe he was standing outside the house on guard duty, watching in case the authorities came back to arrest the disciples and take them away. Or maybe he just needed some time by himself to process the traumatic events of those past few days. But in any case, what really interests us now is what happened the next Sunday, today, a week after Easter, when Thomas was with them. And the question I want to ask today is why? Why was he there? If I could put it this way, why was he still in church, although he didn't believe what the others believed? You remember Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus in the garden. The other disciples had seen Jesus in the upper room. All week long, their little community must have been buzzing with excitement and almost overcome with joy. But it was a joy Thomas couldn't share. Thomas had missed it all. He could not believe. So why was he still there? I have a friend whose story gives me some insight into Thomas's faithful attendance despite his lack of theological conviction. My friend has attended church regularly for many years, even though she is a professed atheist. Well, agnostic. She's not sure which, really. <laughs> and I don't mean just sitting in the pew, either. She serves as an acolyte. She shows up for work days. She helps out at the community meal for the homeless. She does it all, except for saying the creed. Recently, she decided to be officially received into the Episcopal Church. Naturally, I wondered why. So I asked her, had her agnostic doubts finally been resolved? Did she read a book or hear a sermon that answered all of her questions? Did she have a mystical experience that convinced her she ought to believe? No, it was nothing like that, she said. In fact, she had just gone through a rough patch in her life and she had realized that her church community had been there for her when no one else had been. She wanted to be received into the church because she knew she, knew she needs the church and she wanted her church community to know she is committed to them as well. Those are her people. And she needs to be there with them, even if she can't fully share the faith that they profess, at least not yet. I imagine it must have been something like that with Thomas. That little group of Jesus followers were his people. Together they had traveled from town to town, listening to Jesus, trying to figure out what his, what his parables could possibly mean. Together they had seen him heal the sick, raise the dead. Together they had followed him to, to Jerusalem to face the hostility of the religious and the political authorities. Together they had watched in amazement as he put on a towel and washed their dusty feet. Together they had mourned his death. It wasn't just that they were Thomas's friends, although they were his friends. It was that the community of disciples was the place where he had found something real. 
and he refused to let it go. I think there's a Thomas in all of us. Some people think that is why John the Evangelist in the Gospel tells us that he was called the twin. Actually, the name Thomas means twin in Aramaic. Whose twin is he, though? Yours and mine, maybe. Now, even if we're not doubting Thomases all the time, I expect most of us have our days. So what are we supposed to do when we aren't really feeling it, when things just don't make sense anymore? Consider all that the resurrection of Jesus could have meant for Thomas if it were true. It wasn't just the return of his friend that he was questioning. There were life and death issues at stake. Resurrection was the possibility of a new beginning. It was hope that justice would finally prevail. It was for him what the theologian Paul Tillich called the courage to be. If what the other disciples were saying was true, then Thomas could go on. But if they were wrong, it was going to be the end of the line. Either way, he had to know, and he could only know if he was there. If you spend any time at all around a 12-step recovery group, you've probably heard the slogan, keep coming back. Keep coming back. Often that's what people in the group say to each other at the end of a meeting. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. That's not an order or a directive. It's an encouragement. Even if you don't feel like you're making progress, even if you have doubts about the program, hang in there with the group. Let the group carry you if that's what you need. Be like Thomas. Keep coming back. So what brings us back? What brings us back to church week after week, even on those Sundays when maybe we identify with the doubting twin? Maybe we come because of the people, like my agnostic friend who decided to be received into the church. Or maybe for you it's the music or the familiar language of the prayers. Maybe it's the beauty of holiness here in this place, the dark richness of the wood, the light shining through stained glass windows. Or maybe it's just being able to touch the material signs that point to a deeper meaning in our lives. A splash of water in the baptismal font, a hand stretched out in peaceful greeting, the taste of bread and wine. And here let's take a moment to remember all the people of faith throughout the world who feel that same way about their places of worship and their own sacred rituals. And let's stand in solidarity with those whose religious observances have been recently disrupted by hatred and violence, whether it's Muslims in New Zealand or Catholic Christians in Sri Lanka or Jews in Southern California. They're all part of our community. They're our people too. As Christians, we know that coming to church is no guarantee. No guarantee that every Sunday we're going to have a deep encounter with God. But we also know that if God is going to show up for us, it's likely to be here where the word is preached and the sacraments are administered, where Jesus promised he would be present whenever two or three are gathered together. 
this is our place, these are our people. And this is as good a place as any for us to wait for God to appear. The poet Denise Levertov took Thomas as her patron saint. She wrote several poems about him. Levertov's father was a Hasidic Jew who converted to Christianity and became an Anglican priest. Levertov herself was an agnostic for most of her adult life, but she returned to the Christian faith at the age of 60. In one of those poems, she imagines what happened when Jesus invited Thomas to touch the prints of the nails and put his hand in Jesus' side. Despite what might sound like a rebuke, do not doubt but believe, Thomas says in the poem, he felt no shame, but light, light streaming into me, over me, filling the room as if I had lived till then in a cold cave, and now coming forth for the first time, the knot that bound me unraveling, I witnessed all things quickened to color, to form, my question not answered, but given its part in a vast unfolding design, lit by a risen sun. I think that's why we keep coming back. That's what brings us back to church. Not so much answers to our intellectual questions, but acceptance for our failings and light in our darkness, warmth in the cold caves of our lives, and the unraveling of the knots into which we have been twisted. We come back here and we stay here together because we are longing to see the world in color and true to form with our small doubts and fears taken up into a beautiful larger design that is lit by a risen sun. This is our place. These are our people. Keep coming back until the risen Lord appears again and bestows upon us a blessing of peace. Keep coming back until you too are moved to confess with Thomas and all those who have not seen and yet believe, my Lord and my God.